Welcome from around the world to your home or your mobile device. You've landed on the Daily Objective from the Ayn Rand Center UK. Jonathan Honig from CapitalistPig.com. Couldn't be more excited that you're joining us for, from wherever you are on Earth. Objectivism is a philosophy for life on Earth, and that's what we talk about Monday through Friday, right here on the Daily Objective, 6 p.m. UK, 12 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. Eastern, and all around the world. And of course, we're available on demand. We are history's largest daily network of programming inspired by Ayn Rand's objectivism. So, you know, with all this talk about the Blaze and Newsmax and all these competitors, you've got what you really need right here on, on the Daily Objective on the Ayn Rand Center UK, an entire network devoted to reason, reality, rational self-interest, uh, and the like. So thank you for joining us. And especially thank you to our super chatters, our members, you're the ones who literally keep us on the air. You know, it's a, a team literally from around the world. Some of the biggest names, and I think some of the smartest people in objectivism, people like, oh, I don't know, Harry Binswanger, Dr. Binswanger studied with Miss Rand, Leonard Peikoff has appeared on this channel, James Valiant, so many others. So um, the only reason we're able to bring it to you every day for free is because you hit us up. And Robert Nacer as well, he is, uh, he is one of our super chat and he's also one of our YouTube members. So do that. If it's five pounds a month. It really means a great deal to helping us keep uh, keep the shows on the air. So thank you, Robert. Thank you to all of our super chatters. So we've got an interesting radical show for you this morning or this evening. And uh, I know so many, especially conservatives out there, although conservatives and uh, those on the left, liberals, I guess you would say, they hate big tech, right? Big tech, everyone hates big tech now. So I'm known for my slides and I thought in appreciation for those of you who say, oh, we don't need big tech. I I'm, I'm gonna do my slides visually today, uh, manually. So just imagine life without Google uh, as I go through my slides. I guess you could say Bob Dylan style, uh, but let's talk a little bit about what is radical and uh, People like what's radical, what's new, what's exciting, what's different. So we'll ask about, you know, what, what is radical? What's cutting edge? You know, what's really something new? What's something different? What's something that's going to impact your life in a meaningful way? Is it thinkers like Che Guevara, the radical from Cuba? Is that new? Uh, you know, there's still plenty of college kids who have pictures of Che in their dorm rooms. Is that new? No. What about sloppy Steve Bannon? Is that new? Is that is his ideology, is his philosophy that he espouses to many on the right here in the States, is that something new? No. What about the Pope? I mean, many on the right, many conservatives will often cite the Pope or some religious leader. Is that new and exciting? No. God, no. Noam Chomsky, no. I still hear people uh, celebrating Noam Chomsky, quoting, it's 2022. This is old news. Same thing with Jordan Peterson. I know I, I don't get it. I, I have listened to some of Dr. Peterson. I have seen him at Ocon. And to me, all of these people are old news. They're boring. As Robert says, it's stale. It's old. It's it doesn't inspire. And more than anything, it's not about, in my opinion, life on this earth. It doesn't give you any tools and ability to 
live a happy, successful, productive life. So it's old news and it's boring. The same old, same old. And that's what I think for me as someone who's studied just a little bit of history, what's so frustrating and so boring is that, you know, listening to some of today's political discourse, young people have the same questions that were asked to Dr. Peacock in 1984 or to Ms. Rand throughout the 1970s. So these questions have been answered. And if you read objectivism, if you avail yourself to the literature and the the materials out there, you will know the answers to these questions before they're even asked. And only objectivism, only objectivism is radical. And that's really, I think, what's so exciting about it. And so when so many people first get into objectivism, I know from in my case, you uh, gobble it all up because it is completely a sea change from anything and everything else you've ever been taught. It's innovative and it's for life on this earth. You know, I've told this story before. It's kind of a depressed college kid and uh, I was a philosophy minor. So I took courses uh, in Habermas. I took courses in Plato. I took courses in Nietzsche. I, I even took a course from Huron Habermas. I was kind of interested and curious about living on earth and, and how to, how to, think and understand the world. I came out of all of those classes more depressed than when I came in. Then someone recommended to me, oh, you should pick up Anne Rand. Okay, quickly learned it was actually Ayn, like mine. And of course my life changed from, from that point on and my life on earth got demonstrably better. So objectivism is a philosophy for living on earth. That's why first and foremost, here at the Ayn Rand Center UK, we want you to read Ayn Rand. There is a a host, I mean, there's just an endless amount of material from Miss Rand you could read, not just the novels, all of the nonfiction, all of the periodicals like the Ayn Rand Letter and The Objectivist. So avail yourself of that and read Ayn Rand to learn about Ayn Rand. But just to tease you a little bit, I want to give some examples of how I believe objectivism, especially in today's landscape, is really pretty radical. Number one, Objectivism is about your life on earth. As I've said, it's not in heaven. It's not in the afterworld. It's not in the pearly gates. And it's not like here on earth a hundred years from now when supposedly the oceans will be uh, you know, higher than the Statue of Liberty and the sun will be melting anything. Your interest should be on life on earth right here, right now. You're not a sacrifice to future generations. And your purpose on earth is the achievement of your values and your happiness, not at anyone's detriment, not by making anyone else a sacrifice, but of course not, not by sacrificing yourself to anyone. But only objectivism, in my opinion, is this worldly. You know, it's not about hundreds of years from now what the environment's gonna look like or how are you gonna be judged in the afterlife, pro tip, there is no afterlife, uh, by, by uh, who is it, St. Jude in the Pearly Gates? St. John, I don't know, St. Saint Mark's, I don't know. Number two, and I think this to me is especially important these days, you are not born into a race, religion, or tribe. St. Peter, thank you, Christopher, I don't know, one of the saints. Um, you, you know, there's this, I, I grew up in an environment where people were, well, 
let me just say this. Objectivism holds that you treat and understand people as individuals. And you're not born because you happen to be born with a particular color skin or your parents practice some type of religion that just says nothing about you. You are the product of your choices. So there's this complete emphasis now on your community, your tribal identity, your um, racial identity, your gender identity. And that supposedly says everything about you. Only objectivism emphasizes the individual that you determine your life. You are a self-made person. So you're not just because you happen to be born into a particular religion or born with a particular culture, you can throw it all away. You are the product of your choices in the world and you're not obligated to serve this so-called community or tribe or race or nation. You make your own choices. You are an individual. All right, number three, trust. And don't worry, I will not be recycling all these. Number three, trust and use your mind. Your mind is what basically all that you have. You know, I mean, you can get along without an arm, you can get along without legs, even arms, even a nose probably, but you cannot get along without a mind. There is no you without a mind. So use your mind. Don't throw it away for God or for climate experts or for polls or for what's popular. Use your mind. Your mind, as Ms. Rand writes about and emphasizes, it is your tool of cognition. It's how you understand the world. And a mind can't be forced. You know, that's, that's a, I think, a theme throughout Atlas Shrugged. You can't force a mind. So use your mind and, and be, um, be actively engaged in thinking and understanding. Have a curious mind. Uh, not an open mind necessarily, not open to anything. But I remember Dr. Peikoff talking about having an active mind. So, you know, I'm not open to the possibility that there is a God. That's settled. But I'm open to, I don't know, many other things. You get, you get the point. So I have an active mind, not necessarily an open mind. Number four, now I touched on this just a little bit. You're not a sacrifice. This is a tough one too. And I think part of what makes objectivism so radical, it's like with any other, not even just philosophy, but just like social system or political system, it's just expected that someone's going to be doing the sacrificing and someone's going to be uh, responsible for making those sacrifices to, to any number of people. The nation, right? You hear that America first, supposedly here in the U.S. is all about America first, not you. You're just, you're just a person. It's the nation that's the primary. Objectivism throws that out whole cloth and rightfully so. Same thing with the poor, the environment, your community. As Christopher says, you are in an end in yourself. You are the end at the summit at the top of the hill, paraphrasing Ms. Rand. Very well said, Christopher. And you're not, you're, you don't owe your life to someone else. You don't have to live your life, as Ms. Rand says, constantly giving that beggar the nickel or the dime or the dollar or the thousand dollars because of your success or because of who, who you are. You know, one of the, the great lines in American uh, history is life, liberty, and the pursuit of your happiness, your is implied, but I like to add it in there now because people forget it's not happiness of the greater good, it's your happiness, um, life on earth. Number five, 
work is actually a value. It's a spiritual and a material economic value. It's not positive because of your ability to do charity or your ability to give back. Work unto itself is a value. And when you listen to kind of, at least here in the States, both sides, the, the left wing doesn't like work, in my opinion. They don't like work. They wanted a, a society where everyone is like sitting around reading poetry, going to concerts, doing plays, doing artwork. That's my sense of meeting on the left is that they, they really don't want to necessarily work. On the right, what I hear is the sense of, yeah, it's okay to work and be successful, but it's all about giving back. It's all about charity. It's all about, you know, and anytime you make a step forward, it's all on the step back. And, you know, Dr. Brooke, Dr. Jerome Brooke makes this point that whenever successful people are honored, successful business people are honored, they say one little line about, you know, this guy is chairman of the ABC Corporation. And then they give 20 minutes on, oh, he gave this money to the symphony and he gave this money to uh, the school system. You know, so the emphasis should be on his productivity for, for innumerable reasons. So not because he gave back, but because he earned and he or she earned and created. Work is self-esteem, work is being productive, work is being creative, and work is making money, being self-sufficient, being able to make your own choices about your future, pursue your own values, all tremendous, important values, I believe, for a successful life that only objectivism really values. Work is, you know, it's not a means to an end. I think it's an end, I believe it's an end unto itself. Um, you know, people who retire early tend to expire early. You know, if you retire with nothing to do, this fantasy of just, oh, I'll just hang out. And even if you're wealthy, you get really bored really quickly and you get very unhappy very quickly. You need to be productive. You need to be creative in life to be happy. And objectivism emphasizes that um, and throughout the literature and throughout Ms. Rand's writing as well. Number six, no social safety net. Oh, I know it sounds so, what? Oh, no social safety net. These days, both the left and the right want to basically preserve and expand it. I mean, here in the States, at one point, the Republicans talked about maybe reforming the entitlement state. They didn't want to get rid of it, but they talked about reforming it. I mean, George Bush Jr. had a program called, uh, what did he call it? He called it, um, Christ, I was distracted by Bonnie's comment. It was called, oh, the Ownership Society. Uh, 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 George Bush had a program called the Ownership Society, stressing the idea of ownership. That fell flat in about two weeks' time. People don't want ownership. They want government to take care of them. They want others to sacrifice for their benefit. And they're happy to sacrifice for others so that others will sacrifice for them. So both the left and the right want to expand the entitlement state, preserve the entitlement state. Objectivism understands that it's not just impractical, but it's immoral. I mean, if you want to see the impracticality and immorality, look what's happening in France. I mean, it's like daily riots burning in the streets. And you might say, ha, 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 well, you know, just for working two years later, it's the whole system itself. It's the whole notion of government pensions and, 
and uh, you know, entitlement pensions from the government and the social safety net needs to go whole cloth. Now it can't be eliminated in one day, just as it's been phased in over many, many years, but wherever you are in the world, you know, advocate for an incremental change. And you might say like here in the US, you might say, okay, we're gonna phase out social security over 30 years time. People born today can you know, pay 10% less. And get, you, you phase it out over time, just as it was phased in. It's not impossible to do at all. It's not a metaphysical part of the world that we always have to have the social safety net. In fact, here in the States, forgive me, I don't know much about jolly old England's economic history, but here in the States, the most productive times in US history were before the social safety net before minimum wage and everything else that goes along with it. And to that end, I'll end with number seven. Do you know anyone else in politics, in history or in education who's calling for education to be completely privatized? Only objectivism is that radical, only objectivists. Like uh, C. Bradley Thompson, I wrote, wrote a wonderful article in the Objective Standard maybe 10 years ago called the new abolitionism, the emancipation of education, I'd certainly recommend. Only objectivists talk about how education needs to be completely privatized. And to understand why, I mean, just look at some of these issues that everyone is goes mahula about in education. Trans, and what kind of testing, and do we do God or prayer, or how much of the green movement, or, you know, sex or... Uh, do we teach about the Indians, the American Indians, all this stuff? And, you know, even the Holocaust or CRT, these are topics that parents have strong feelings about, but only in a private system can parents give the, the children the education they need. And those who say, oh, well, how could anyone afford it? You know, the greedy capitalists are going to make, make it so expensive. Believe me, we should want Apple to open a school or Walmart to open a school. I mean, you would have a wide variety of education at all different types of price points and specialties and expertise. I mean, look at the types of phones available. Are, 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 you know, when, are phones millions of dollars to buy, hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy? No, basically anyone can afford a phone. All different types, you do that same type of achievement and value creation in education if government would simply get out of the way. So who else advocates for this? What I've just described to you is radical. Only objectivism is advocated for this. Objectivism is radical. It is the radical philosophy for living on earth, for making the most of your life. So read Ayn Rand. This is my number one suggestion. And if you're, I'll just always mention a good place to start is my book, A New Textbook of Americanism. Miss Rand wrote the majority of it, but we've republished it with some added goodies. So I'd recommend that. But read anything from Ayn Rand. Take the opportunity. And if you say, well, I don't like the fiction, get the nonfiction. Read one of the essays. Read it while you're on the commode. Um, you know, it's it's just there, most of them are two or three thousand words. So they're not impossible to get through. And what you'll find is that they're so relevant to politics today, to aesthetics today, to thinking today, and uh, in today's headlines. Ms. Rand's prophecy was, uh, um, and I say that in a non-mystical way, but her foresight uh, is just, just so amazing to read over and over again. So read Ayn Rand and support the Ayn Rand Center UK. Um, we, as Bonnie said, we are for-profit. We get no help from anyone other than you. You are the viewers. You are the ones who we hopefully are trading with, who find this of value and uh, 
and make us a priority. As I said, you're probably, you know, you've got Disney Plus, you've got iTunes, you've got uh, uh, Apple TV, you've got all these services. Well, throw us five pounds a month because we're bringing you something completely unique, original programming inspired by objectivism by some of the smartest people in objectivism. And in fact, coming up at 7 p.m. UK time, that's just what, 40 minutes from now, it's the Fountainhead Book Club for Ayn Rand Center UK members. The session will be also live streamed to YouTube members. And there's a, a, a link in the chat for that. I'm just saying this, if you've never read The Fountainhead before, it's an amazing experience. Obviously it's a tremendous book. Read it along with our Fountainhead experts. So get more out of it. If you've read it before, read, you know, enjoy it again. Learn all the nuances of these books with people, people like James Valiant and so many of the smartest minds in objectivism. So that's at 7 p.m. Then at 10 p.m. UK, it's Artful Tuesdays on the Letters of Ayn Rand, which is one of my favorites books in, in the literature, if you will, in the, in, the, in the corpus with Kurt Barbera and Chicolina, Audrey Hills, and Jeff Britting. I know Kirk, Anne, and Jeff. Jeff is straight up brilliant. He is the uh, he is the archivist at the Ayn Rand archives. He is truly an Ayn Rand expert. And Chicolina is a uh, theater impresario, impresario, She's a theater expert and a performer and runs theater. Kirk is a is a is a is a maven in his own right and Audra. So. Don't miss this. It's all coming up tonight here uh, in the UK or around the clock, wherever you are. So show us some support. Thank you, Robert, for being our super chatter today. Um, what, do I, what can I say other than uh, much appreciated? So join us once again. Join us in 40 minutes for more programming. And thank you for being part of what we do here every day on the Daily Objective. Jonathan Honig wishing you best promises. Be well.